This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Transgender Point of View is an Australian news and current affair panel talk show. Airing weekly and hosted by Joy 94.9. Transgender people come from every region around the world, racial and ethnic backgrounds and faith communities. Chances are that you've met a transgender person, even if you don't know it. But there are still many misconceptions about trans people. And as a transgender person, there are a lot of questions asked of us every day. What's this about using they as a pronoun? Isn't letting a trans person use my bathroom dangerous? Do I refer to you as he, she, it or they? So what's your real name? Are you a drag queen? What's the difference between sex and gender and why does it matter so much? Did you have the operation? What is stealth? How does someone know they are transgender? Really random questions. Are you sure you're not just super gay? You must be a transvestite. What bathroom do you use? Will I be able to have sex? What does cis mean? And that is Transgender Point of View on Joy 94.9. This is Anastasia Lee with my lovely Rowan and Karen back onto her job, cracking the whips. <laughs> she does not crack the whips. She keeps us together. Okay, yeah. <laughs> How are we today, guys? It's very steamy and hot outside. Yeah, I... Oh, boy. Long week. But yeah. I am excited to be here. Where were you up to on the weekend? Uh, oh, my God. I have written about 8,000 words in the last, in about four days. Ooh, about what? Um, this is going to sound nerdy as hell, my D&D game. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping for some romance. Something really, like, cool, like the novel that I haven't been doing. Yeah, no, my D&D game. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and what were your characters like? like- uh, I'm not the character, I'm the... Run! I run the game. That's why I write all the notes. I oh, like the master. and all my friends. Yeah, the DM, Dungeon Master. It's just a great the title. Dungeon Master, you know. Yeah, like, and so I write all these notes, and then my friends ruin all my plans. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, on the weekend, I actually celebrated Diwali or Diwali with a bunch of Hijras in Melbourne, and it was so lovely. And turned out, so the main day for Diwali was on Sunday, the twenty seventh of October. However, one can actually um, celebrate it the week before or the week after as well. So it spans for three weeks. And yeah, I have experienced that in the past with coworkers getting like asking me, "Oh, can I have this day off? And can you cover my shift?" And it was like shifting us around. I'm like, "All right, if you do Christmas for me, we can we can swap this." Yeah, that's great. And then, yeah, it's Halloween. It's Halloween. I was expecting you to dress up. I in love the studio. Halloween. I have this terrible internal conflict, which is one, I don't want to bring even more American things into Australian culture, but yeah. two, I love creepy stuff so much. <laughs> but do we have a culture, really? Ah, <laughs> uh, that is a whole other debate. <laughs> but um, I also think we have too many holidays, so it's like, well, but man, the creepy one's so cool. And I think it is a really good day for transgender people often because it gives us like especially if you haven't come out yet you get to like have a just you can do what you want you can dress up how you want and no one can judge you mm-hmm. and if you want to like wear something that you wouldn't usually wear or like try out you know a gender that you haven't been able to like express from like the inside of you you get like this day where people are like yeah hell yeah dress up how you want 
and you're just allowed to. And I feel like a lot of trans people have this like a Halloween where they, like the year or two years before they come out where they're like, oh, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it's like generally a pretty positive experience. So so what did you dress up as, Rowan? Uh, I wasn't allowed to celebrate Halloween as a kid, but I did dress up a lot doing cosplay when I was like a teenager and that was my in and doing like acting and getting to dress up as people and never ever playing a female character, ever. Not once have I ever played a female character in any production. Interesting. <laughs> so like I would always just use it as this excuse to be like, I'm going to be a boy, of course. And everyone else had to just accept that because mm. I was in an all-girls school and they needed people to play men. <laughs> you see? Well, I used the Halloween as an excuse to wear a skimpy outfit. <laughs> and that, they paint my face, true. you know? Um, that was amazing. Also, speaking of Halloween and all things <laughs> magical, we have another great news from Hollywood. So Dominic Jackson, who plays, is it Electra? Electra on Pose. Pose. She has show. been casted as Mrs. World on the upcoming season of American Gods. Season by three, I believe. Three, yes. Three, yeah. I've read the book. I watched season one. I'm behind. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So mm-hmm. I'm so excited for like what they're going to do because sort of the whole theme of the book and show is about like the Good. strangeness of like... Uh, immigration and American culture and uh, I'm just so excited to see like more representation on that show because they've already been really good and this is like an even better step. And what's amazing about this is that her role wasn't written in the book. No, no. It's completely new and I feel like maybe that's the way it's, it's the way that the producer and the writer want to include to be more inclusive, really, you know? Yeah, 100%. And to give a transgender... So that's another thing, because Mr. World is a Caucasian male. Yeah. It's the p- depiction from the two previous season, And then Dominic Jackson plays Mrs. World, so you're a black, transgender, African background woman. So that's just... That's absolutely awesome. Oh, yeah. And uh, we have a bit of a drama as well. Of course. <laughs> it's America. Yeah. After all, <laughs> Texas. So we have a custody battle gotten to the Republican establishment. Um, so the jury decided to give the mother the custody of a transgender child who is like seven years old. And then the court overruled it. And yeah. Yeah, I think people have definitely heard about this because it has been going on for a long time. But if, I guess the final, or at least for now, the final... Um, I don't know if it's hearing or what's it called. So it was a custody case. Custody case. um, Their sort of final word on that has been, despite the jury going in favour of, like, the mother who is, like, affirming the child's gender. Yeah, so the general public, 11 to 1, they found in favour of the mother to give her sole custody. Mm. Which I think says a lot, you know, when the judge overrules that about, like, who is, how representation in, like, the court system and in, like... Because, like, we think of Texas as this really conservative place, and it, it is, but I think even their sort of, like, representation is not always reflective of the people that actually live there, and there are, like, you know, very queer people that live in rural areas and mm. in southern states, and they just don't have, like, a voice in their constituency a lot of the time mm. and in their court system. And even when the jury is, like, on the side of, you know, what we want, it's just so sad. So, you know, yeah. I guess hearts go out to that family and that child. And, you know, before we welcome our guest, you know, Seth from Minus 18 and um, Lincoln, who actually experienced 
some negative things in the healthcare system. I want to give a shout out to Claire. Um, she's been a great listener, and according to her, the show, especially the podcast, has helped her a lot with her transitioning and helping her to find her confidence. So thank you, Claire. Um, we cannot do this without you, honestly. We we welcome your feedback, and again, if you have anything to con constructive and you want us to to put on the show, please um, message us. You know, um, at so transpov at joy dot au or direct message us on the Facebook page, which is transpov and joy ninety four point nine. Coming up next, we have an artist highlight by Dillbilly, a Midwestern sort of folk Americana artist who is describes himself as genre queer. Uh, and I mean, I was you know let told by like Karen last week about this artist, and I listened to them, and I was like, oh, this is exactly the kind of music that I love. And so yeah, yeah, we've got Dillbilly with Chameleon coming up on Joy ninety four point nine. Well, the 
we are bringing in our uh, guest, Seb from Minus 18, who we are really excited to talk to. How are you going, Seb? Are you there? I'm good. Yes, I'm here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you for your time. So you uh, obviously work at Minus 18, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of, but do you want to just give us sort of the basic line of like what Minus 18 does? Totally. So we produce some really wonderful identity-affirming events for young people. Um, our, I guess, signature event is the queer formal that we hold in Melbourne, Sydney and Adelaide. Um, as well as that, um, in our dance events, we offer um, workshops as well, and that's my domain. Um, I go into schools and businesses and organisations and talk about how to be more inclusive to LGBTIQ people. Um, but we also do, you know, we've got our online stuff, we've got our website and our socials, and we put out lots of resources as well to help schools. And, um, and yeah, just, I guess, promote the visibility of being queer. Well, you have that down pat. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I guess today we're here to talk to you more about personal stuff, not just mm -hmm. the fact that you're a part of Minus 18. And so who are you, like, and how did, what was your coming out experience like? For sure. I mean, um... Wow, where to start? I know, um, broad question, <laughs> terrible to ask, but... That's okay, that's okay. Um, I guess, you know, I identify as trans, transmasculine and um, queer or pansexual, and so I kind of knew that I was trans from a very young age, and I didn't really have the language for that. It was more like I just knew that I was different and that I guess if you throw yourself back into the mid-90s, being forced into pink dresses and frilly socks was just not my thing and I knew that from a very young age. So I sort of actually came out, um, I came out to my dad when I was like really young and I said I, I didn't think I was meant to be born a boy or, um, oh, sorry, born a, born a girl. Um, I think I was meant to be born a boy instead. And so I guess that was my, my first moment of coming out but because it was, you know, a very long time ago and swept under the rug, um, that, that wasn't really validated or affirmed. So for me, um, I, you know, I came out to a few friends at school, like, mind you, I was about five or six years old. Um, and then that didn't go, that went okay. You know, I had some friends that were okay with it. I had a dirty boyfriend that I was really cool with. And then the other, where the rest of the group were not so cool with it. So I got bullied pretty hard through primary school. Um, but then, then there's the high school part, and then there's the sexuality part. Am I going into oh, that bit too? I mean, if you want to, but I was going <laughs> to next ask you, you know, so long story. I guess pros and cons, but like, you know, because I came out when I was 17, and there were some really mm. good things about that, and there were some really terrible things about that. Mm. So what do you think, like, the, I guess coming out young is like a really hard thing to talk about because, you know, once you come yeah. out, that's your only experience of it in, in many ways. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it's like to come out at 40. I only know what it's like to come out at 17. So I guess for you, for what sure. were the pros, but also what were the cons? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, I, I guess following on from that, I came out as being bi when I was 13. Um, the pros of coming out when you're 13, um, I can't think of that many. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I guess the pros are that, you know, you're out and you're visible, yeah, and at least that signals to other people that it might be okay for them to come out to you or it might be okay to, like, you know, form a little group or whatever. The cons are that, you know, what that means is that you're totally open to bullying. You're the target. People see you as, you know, as being that, 
you know, that identity. And if no one else is there standing up with you, you're kind of left alone and quite isolated. So, that, yeah, that was personally my experience. But thankfully, people forget about things and move on to other dramas. And we grow up <laughs> and we don't have to be in high school yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Hey, Seb, it's um, Anastasia here. So, uh, just a question, you know, um, it's quite a common trend these days where adults kind of dismiss, um, you know, young people's ideas and perceptions and story. Um, mm-hmm. Did your parents and the people around you, the adults, you know, take you coming out as bisexual seriously? Um, not at all. Um, I was told that, definitely told it was a phase. Like, definitely a phase. It's just mm. something I'm going to pass through. Um, my dad, you know, loved him to death, but was was very much about, oh, you know, just keep your options open, don't close yourself off kind of thing, but not in a way that was really supporting. And I, I really wish that I had had that growing up, but I had a bit of a weird childhood um, and I didn't have a mum. So it was, it was a very sort of insular, um, I guess, adolescence and had to sort of deal with things on my own. So do you think, um, you know because you didn't have such a maternal figure, it kind of sort of simplified the dynamic between you as a child from LGBTIQ background with your single parents. Is that at least like, you know, there there wasn't a battle over you or who would be over conversating and the other one would be punishing, you know? Yeah, Yeah, sure. I think I would have liked a lot more support, like a lot more family support in my life, and I didn't really have have that. But I will say that, like, you know, it it, it got better with, with time and with doing a lot of talking, but I was a very, like, forceful, opinionated person. So I can't say that I grew up in a very oppressive environment, but certainly having someone look out for you that can see your friends, that can see what's going on at school... Um, you're, you're so much more privileged if you're if you're able to have that person in your life. 100%. Sure. Because, um, like, earlier on, we were talking about a court case in Texas where, you know, there's, like, a parental battle going on in the court system over, like, a parent that supports their child and one that doesn't. And, like, we're pretty disappointed by the outcome of that. But, yeah, I think just, you know, it's hard to be coming out when you're young just because of you just have no agency, your, the will of your, the adults in your life and that can be really hard because it's just a luck game yeah but yeah. is it not for trans people if they are coming out when they're really young and they get if they have supportive parents they would be able to get um, hormone blockers which yeah, must 100%. make the whole being trans easier so while you still have the disaster and nightmare of children being cruel um do you think uh, the people who you meet from minus 18, they're actually having it easier from a medical perspective or a health perspective because they're able to come out younger as trans? If they have supportive parents, yeah. If they have supportive parents. Um, uh, absolutely. I think that Georgie Stone and Beck Robertson have done some amazing work at the World um, Children, sorry, Royal Melbourne Children's Hospital to be able to allow kids to have easier access to hormone blockers. Um, that without that work having been there, it, the the system and having to interact with the family court system, it was so much harder, even with a parent being on board. Um, so I do think it's easier, but I think the amount of times that we see trans young people in the headlines doesn't make it easier, for instance, with this 
particular case because it allows conservative people to get more, you know, to, to, I guess, have more of a backing behind them and be more willing to speak out against it. So disability does two things. It does, you know, it means that there's going to be more support, but it also means there's going to be more resistance or people more willing to, to make that known. So um, it's really it's really hard to say at this point, but I'm really excited for the next uh, Writing Themselves in Four, which is coming out. It's a new study coming out next year, which will tell us a little bit more about the experiences of transgender diverse young people. Yeah, I think when we talk about these sorts of subjects, it's really hard sometimes because we're all so anecdotal and there's not that actual statistics that we can just point at and be like, this is how it is, or this is what we're working with. We're all just like, how do we think we're doing? Well, these are the people I know, and this is what I'm doing. So, like, concrete yeah. experience and, like, concrete research is always what we are after. Mm. I guess one of the good things, though, that I guess we've found is that more people um, at our events are identifying as trans and, and gender diverse. And so that means they're more will they can see themselves in other people, they can now identify how they feel, they're more willing to come out at least at you know, at a level where they feel comfortable, like um, you know, at a youth event or something. So that's I think a really good sign to know that yeah, young people are feeling a bit better about themselves for sure. So for any young audience out there who would like to have support from minus eighteen, what would be the best way for you for for them to contact you? Totally. Um, jump on Instagram. You can find us at Minus18 Youth. We also have a Teams page, so Minus18 Teams on Facebook, um, where you can find out all about our events and stuff. But yeah, the socials are the best place to go uh, to find anything out about us, for sure. Can we make sure that we have all of that on our social media page as well? Yeah, we'll get all of that up on Facebook, on the <laughs> Trans POV at Joy94.9 cool. Facebook page. And then, Seb, um, what are your visions, you know, for the trans youth in the future, say, in the next five oh, years? Best outcomes. Oh, my goodness. Best outcome. Only the easy questions well, here. <laughs> my best outcome would be that I wouldn't have a job, in a way, because I go to schools and I do LGBTIQ workshops with young people and I do them with teachers as well. And honestly, if we didn't need to have that and that was already within the curriculum um, or that was just, you know, a value that we had that trans and gender diverse young people exist and that they're valid and that they're, you know, that their experiences are real. Um, if that was in our society, that's all I would be, <laughs> that's all that I would need, really. Oh, God, so, imagine being <laughs> value neutral. <laughs> <laughs> value neutral? Mm, that's an interesting term. Yeah, I guess it's just sort of like the idea that we're not even political anymore like the right hand left hand sort of thing yeah but, um, that's cool thank you so much for thank talking to us time. today and obviously we'll put all of the minus 18 information up and yeah thank you so much for talking to us um and if you know you're welcome back anytime <laughs> let us know awesome. if you've got any events on and, and we'll if you have you events yeah and we'll make sure we'll promote yeah, totally. as well. promote for you because that's what we do hey you yeah you in the car did you know that a big portion of people who listen to Joy listen to Joy in the car, just like you? Right now, times are really tough financially, and without your support, Joy may not be around to make your drive around Melbourne fun. So tell your siblings, your workmates, heck, even wind down your window and tell someone else stuck in the traffic to head over to joy.org.au and help us build Joy Nation by making a donation. Joy, your voice, your radio station. And welcome back to Trans and Joy 94.9.
we've been a smooth run so far with Karen back in her chair, Rowan, and we have our guest today, um, Lincoln. Yeah, hi Lincoln. How are you doing? Good. So uh, today we wanted to talk a little bit about, um, there was a study recently done uh, by La Trobe University about um, trans healthcare. And this isn't access to trans specific healthcare like counseling or or transitioning. This is actually um, how trans people access what would be considered mainstream healthcare like emergency departments, oncology, things like that. And the study was of over 500 trans and gender diverse people. And um, there were a load of anecdotes of really terrible experiences. Um, We did find that some people were refused care, but something that we hadn't expected to find was actually over 40% of trans or gender diverse people who were asked um, actually avoided going into emergency healthcare because they were worried about being discriminated against. Um, Lots of people said that they found it, they didn't find it easy to find a doctor because the GP surgeries don't make it clear that, like there's not very many that make it clear. And if you're not in Melbourne CBD, then, uh, or in the Northeast where I am, which is pretty lucky because all of the doctors in my area are pretty good. and a quarter of people said that um, they've had health professionals professionals who haven't understood um, what being trans is about. And quite often they get harassed, like ask questions that is nothing to do with, like, I'm sorry, whether I've transitioned or not, whether I've had top or bottom surgery has nothing to do with the fact that I currently have a very sore throat. So... Um, I had that experience like two weeks ago. <laughs> So what we thought we would do is we thought we'd go out and try and find some people who had stories. And very kindly, Lincoln agreed to come on and tell us a little bit about his story. Let's just be um, clear here. We're going to be talking about health things. We'll give the number for Lifeline afterwards if anyone is feels affected by it. Yeah, so it is quite triggering. Um, it could be for other people. Um, but it's... My situation was um, very extreme. Um, I actually had a fibroid that was two millimetres in 2011. Uh, They said it wouldn't grow. It was fine. You won't get anything from it. And uh, I think it was in 2017, in late 2017, um, I started getting extreme pain to the point where I would have to call in sick for three days straight. Um, The GPs didn't know what was going on. Um, I had actually started transitioning, so I had actually got my blood test, waited the six weeks, went back to my GP, and uh, he said, oh, maybe we'll do an ultrasound. And we did, and it's lucky because the tumour had actually, well, the fibroid had turned into a tumour that was seven centimetres. So it was actually bigger than my uterus itself. Wow. (laughs) Um, So we then put me on progesterone um, to stop period anything like that and that actually made it worse (laughs) so um i ended up admitted to a hospital uh down in the southeast and i was treated like a second class citizen as soon as i told them i was trans um beforehand they were more than capable more than 
going over and above and beyond for me. Um, they had doped me up with 15 milligrams of morphine, two tramadol, two endone, and as soon as I told them I was trans, they kicked me out into the emergency waiting room. Um, I sat there for another six hours. Um, very, very high. <laughs> and, uh, and then I finally, at two in the morning, got seen by a doctor who said, I don't care that you're trans. Um, you have a severe bladder infection. You have um, extreme pain and we need to get this seen to. So then I was sent up to the ward and they stopped my, the nurse stopped my IV antibiotics. Uh, didn't give me any water. So I didn't have water for a day. Um, they wouldn't help me out of bed to go to the toilet. Um, and then I had a pelvic ultrasound. Um, they said that, you know, the, the tumour is quite large um, and I needed something done about it. Uh, then the, I think it was about that night, the gynecologist uh, came in and said, you need a hysterectomy, uh, but we're not going to do it. When you see your trans surgeon, you can have your trans surgeries and they can do it for you. That is just horrific. That and that happened at two more hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was, um, I basically said to him, it's like handing a scalpel to a stranger and asking them to do a hysterectomy for me. And yeah. they looked at me like I was stupid. And I was yeah. like, well, plastic surgeons aren't qualified for gynecology. So why would I go see them? And they just were like, here's some pain meds. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy, and it took for me took another two years before I got a hysterectomy. And was this in the public health system? Yep. Wow. I was. I paid a ridiculous amount of money to see a private gynecologist, and she's like, "You need it done, but it's going to cost you eight thousand um, dollars." But it took for me to move to Ballarat for them to turn around and go, "You need this done," and they booked me in, and I had the surgery within two months. Isn't it crazy to think that you have to move to be able to get access to standard yeah. life-saving healthcare? Well, the complications that resulted from me having to wait so long for the surgery. Um, so my fallopian tube was actually fused to my bowel um, and trying to remove it, they nearly perforated my bowel. Um, they had to call another surgeon in to help remove it. Um, I lost a lot of blood and they said to me that if it had been left any longer, my fallopian tube would have gone necrotic because the pressure of the tumour was just stopping blood flow. And that was the extreme pain I was experiencing. Um, but they did an amazing job. I cannot tell you how thankful I am for Ballarat Base. They, all the staff were amazing. They gendered me correctly. No matter if I was having a hysterectomy, they were like, nope, he needs this, he needs that. Like, he, they were incredible, absolutely incredible. See, the one other thing that I think is like, I hear like that story and I'm like, yeah, it's not surprising to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's horrible that it's not surprising, but I'm like, yeah, I've had friends who've gone to emergency rooms yeah. and I've had, not to that extent, but just, you know, consistent malpractice and, and yeah. miscare. Um, and then I think like when I first came out, um, one of the like things that like helped me was I went to a pride march and just literally trans people were just handing out lists of good doctors. Yeah. They just had these stacks of paper and they just went, 
this doctor, this doctor, this doctor, brackets, gynecology. Mm. And I remember I'd just come out and I was like, what? I don't need this. I did. Mm. <laughs> and so I think the thing that's really hard is like the trans communities have to really like do it all ourselves, you know? Yeah. I, I get recommended doctors by other trans people, mm. you know? We, we, we communicate among ourselves like, this one's good. And then they get flooded <laughs> by trans people. Um, so, like, what would you personally want from, I guess, the medical community at large to try and, like, treat, you know, the problem at its core? Because it's not our fault. <laughs> I, I was told by a gynecologist, and this is where I started questioning doctors in general and mm. f- the failure of standard medicine. Um, I was told that I didn't fall in the male health bracket or the female health bracket. And there was this grey area, and I fell into that, and so there wasn't any healthcare for me. Yeah. So it's like, well, you're the head of a major hospital. Why don't you do something about it? If you've got all these people coming to you and you have a gender clinic assigned at your hospital, mm. do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want an education program for health staff for medical professionals to turn around and go, all right, so this person identifies as non-binary, transgender. Um, I will ask specific questions for them. Mm. I will treat them like every single other person and not a second-class citizen. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's just standard healthcare. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, you know, it's not like... It's like they just... They don't seem like... I I think because... I've heard this from a definitely the disabled community mm. where they talk a lot about, you know, just because you're a medical professional, your my, my 10-minute summary in this rock doctor's room it, is not the same as my lifelong experience of this, like, illness. They talk mm. about this sort of, like, I know you're a medical professional, you have to listen to me because we know how we feel and we know what pain is. Yeah. And a lot of, like, you know, um, women talk about this as well, of, like, you know, having, like pain devalued these sorts of problems like it's not just something for trans people but we just have this incredibly blunt Mm. force that just gets said oh we don't know and i don't know as an answer it's not so fascinates me about you know um lincoln's story is that you know they actually say that you did not fit into neither male or female brackets but then when it comes to a trans woman pre-op and non-op then they would say oh with your body you would be more in the male brackets and then they would treat you as a male. Mm. And it just really fascinates me to see this level of sexism in such an an academic profession as well. Like, very, yeah. Yeah. So what we're going to do next week, hopefully, we're trying to get an interview with one of my friends who actually works in the NHS and she actually does transgender awareness training for medical students and for junior doctors. And um, so other friends that I have from the UK who've gone to hospitals where Kate has done her courses have actually given really positive feedback. Um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And we've also reached out to the Department of Health and Human Services in the Victorian government and asked them for uh, information about what they're doing to make sure that things like what happened to you don't happen to other people. Yeah, exactly. I try and promote... Um, specific doctors like oh, you said we all before, do like don't it's we just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's one of those things and I had a doctor who's just a standard GP he is not 
trained professionally with trans health and he has been the best doctor oh <laughs> same he he only goes by his personal experience one of his good friends she's a trans woman and they she she started transitioning in iran and came over to australia and he's just learned from that whole experience and was like no i'll i'll do my best Honestly, man, the peop- the doctors that do do the work, and like I will say this, the ones that do their research, the ones that try and understand and listen, are life saving. Oh yeah, mm. they're 100%. they're amazing. They're like the biggest breath of relief. Yeah, they don't want to push just drugs onto you for yeah. your pain. They don't want to turn around and go, no, you need this because you're dealing with a mental illness. And it's like, well, no, get me a referral for a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, don't put drugs on it. Just get mm. me help. Well, trans POV team is very aware that, you know, the recent conversation could be quite triggering to some. So here are the numbers that you can reach out for help. So Lifeline at 13111114 or QLife 1800184527 or Beyond Blue 1300 Thank you so much for talking to us today, no Lincoln. Worries. Thanks for having me. It's really, it helps some people share this sort of stuff. Yeah. So I'm just going to remind everyone, uh, did you know that we have over 580,000 listeners every month on Joy just in Melbourne and even more online and all around the world? Yeah. And we've been going for 26 years and we want to go for another 26. So hopefully you've heard about the Building Joy Nation campaign that we've got which is on chuff.com we've currently raised nearly eleven thousand dollars but i would ask each and every one of you to think about how much you enjoy listening to joy um what you get out of it and support us and help us keep going for another 26 years yeah so it's just to my future sugar daddy or daddies out there please donate for us <laughs> what's on this week as previously um, on the show before, um, Transgender Diverse Night at Reservoir Leisure Centre is also on on the 9th of November. So um, it's on the on Saturday, November the 9th, Durban Council will again be extending opening hours for members of the Transgender Diverse community to enjoy the facilities at Reservoir Leisure Centre. If that's you, come along. Yeah, I know personally I avoid pools, especially public ones, as a trans person, so it is really cool to just have the place shut down and only trans people being there, able to use the facilities, if that's something that you're also really nervous about. No one glaring at you. Yeah, no one staring at you kind of like weirdly, giving you kind of like an assessing look where you've got to go, oh, God damn it, Well, I mean, if they're assessing you, it's going to be for a completely different reason. (laughs) Uh, Not with me. So it's not just the pool, there's gyms as well, and there's a spa and a sauna. Yeah, sauna, and then they have stroke correction support from instructors. And then giant inflatable and fun games for your kids, so it's a family-friendly event. Allies welcome, but you got to come with a trans person. And then they also have fitness classes. Mm, Amazing. So they have 7pm, yoga is on. And then at 8 p.m., they have Rest Fit. So a 30 minutes field with a mix of functional cardio and full body strength movements. So it's more like high intensity sort of training. It's not like my thing. And then please note the gym, spa, and sauna are only open to people aged 16 years and over. And yeah, the event starts from 6.30. Yeah, and I just want to re-highlight our 
artist of the week musically we i'm you know we only play trans artists on this show so dillbility is so someone you should look up i fell in love with the music as soon as i heard it i love it i, I really love it uh, the folk oh uh, i just like i love folk music but i like most music but like just really chill because i find we're very we can be an angry community sometimes finding music that is not angry punk rock which is something i love filmed you know and recorded in people's garages also something i love but not playable for the radio it can be really difficult sometimes yeah. <laughs> so yeah and to think dillbilly is actually a listener of our oh, show yes you just told Sorry. me that that was exciting i hope that's yeah. true <laughs> what is everybody doing this weekend working playing dungeons and dragons once again as i usually do um compiling a really awesome and long list of trans artists for some awesome stuff we've got coming up with you know trans week of visibility yes the transgender awareness week, week. yeah it's the week leading up to transgender day of remembrance the 20th of november and it's also the the 20th anniversary of the remembrance day as well wow i didn't know that Yes, it's a thing. <laughs> so, and for some reason, the media now takes everything about transgender people seriously. Seriously. Mainstream media. Yeah, so I, I've, I've yeah. got a few speaking engagements around that time. I was, I never expected them, especially these corporate ladders, you know. It's so. such a strange time where we're just sort of, sort of being asked to step into the public eye, but only in ways they want us to. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess for me, I just... I think the young people who asked, who reached out to me to speak at their firms, just simply because they don't sugarcoat things. Yeah. And they, you never know where it's going to go with me. And I think that's what they love it. We just learned that Lynn can used to be involved with Minus 18. Yeah, so I uh, found out about Minus 18 through a youth group in Frankston. And then I met all of my lifelong friends. Uh, that was 17 years ago. <laughs> makes me feel old um but i'm honestly grateful for for everything they did because without minus 18 we wouldn't have had underage events to go to we wouldn't have had that helpful friendly environment where we could be ourselves um you know they they do a lot for for the youth community and it's great to see and they've weathered a lot over the years (laughs) (laughs) I think, like, you know, recently, I mean, for the past few Globe Awards, um, they've won a few things, and yeah. I think that's quite magnificent. You know, at least their hard work has been acknowledged and recognised. To the listeners out there who actually have a lot more gratitude towards the, towards the trans and gender diverse experience, please share with us via email, transpv at joy.org.au, because we would like to showcase your story throughout the um, Transgender Awareness Week coming up in November. That's exactly right. So we can't tell you exactly what we're going to do yet, but um, we want to make it as uplifting and positive as we can. And we know that there are some fantastic stories out there. So um, if you have a hilarious story about being trans or if you have a fantastic story... um, or if you have um, someone or an organisation that you're grateful to, if you're running an event during or around the Trans Awareness Week and the Trans Day of Remembrance, then please either contact us on our Facebook page, so TransPOV on Joy 94.9 on Facebook, or email us at, joy, at 
transpov at joy.org.au and we'll then get in touch with you and we'll see whether or not we can get you onto either our trans pov show which is kicking off our trans awareness week cover or one of the other shows during the week yeah there's a lot gonna gonna happen and we're really excited for it mm. well i can start first by giving an example you know my positive things about transitioning is that I get to have free drinks at bars these days. A lot of free drinks. <laughs> and I get to skip the lines at so many nightclubs. So that always helps <laughs> when you're wearing like a five or six inch stilettos and skulking yeah. around. <laughs> I just lost all that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's another thing. It it's really opens me up to the whole sexism within our society. And it's actually not so much about sexism. It's about appearance. You know, rather than... Yeah, I have to say that as someone who's on the rather butch scale of women, I didn't get any free drinks from guys in bars. Like, that was never happening. And when it comes to pushing in the queue, unless I was working on the door, <laughs> I, I, was not, I was not getting in. Um, but I did also, having worked on the door, I did get the opportunity to turn people away after they'd asked me, are you a boy or a girl? So um, That's awesome. Mm. More power it's heartwarming to, to know that doesn't just happen to us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like shared shittiness. <laughs> it is. Well, that concludes a very successful and hilarious you know, episode. And it's not as great when you just say, we were just very successful for the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we have great dynamic, you know, and I really enjoy this whole dynamic, this new dynamic we have. Yeah, second show, let's go. As you know, you know, I used to run the show by myself. Okay, that's it. This transfer, we enjoyed 94.9 with Anastasia, Rowan, Karen, and our guest, Lincoln. And Seb. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.